When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. This is Women to Watch. To rise above all of the noise and fulfill every last one of your dreams. Women to Watch, sharing the real stories of the most accomplished women in the world. It is for those frightened children who want peace. It is for those voiceless children who want change. Be inspired by women from across the globe who are encouraging more women to pursue their dreams. True philanthropy comes from living from the heart of yourself and giving what you have been given. Now, Women to Watch. Here's your host, Sue Rocco. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another week of Women to Watch here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. I'm so thrilled to be back in the studio this evening, and I'm especially excited for tonight's show because those of you who know me know how fascinated I am with technology and where we're headed, and uh, my guest has quite a compelling story. Her name is Dana Budson, and Dana is the co-founder and CEO of UBDI. Um, and how she came to the idea to launch this company is very, very interesting and fascinating. So she'll be joining me in just a moment. Uh, you'll hear from our exclusive watch team of on-air contributors during the breaks, talking about the latest in health, finance, technology, and leadership. So be sure to stay with us as we go into our commercial breaks. And if you'd like to be in the loop on all things related to the show. Be sure to visit our website at womentowatch.net. That's women, the number two, watch.net, N-E-T. And subscribe to our newsletter. Uh, you'll find our podcast there. And as always, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram uh, for great behind-the-scene pictures. So now I'm thrilled to welcome to the show Dana Budson, again, the co-founder and CEO of UBDI. Welcome to the show, Dana. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. It's great to have you. You know, I should probably ask at the very top of the show the uh, the name, UBDI. What does that stand for? It actually stands for Universal Basic Data Income. Okay. And, yeah, I just always thought that uh, people were starting to resonate and UBI was starting to come into play. And the question was always, how do you pay for it? Um, so that data piece is kind of important in there. Yeah. Okay. And we'll we'll get into a little bit more about what exactly that is. Um, but I always love to start at the beginning of the story and your beginning and, and certainly your young years um, in college are a very pivotal part of your story. So f- let's start with your life growing up in Flint Ridge, California, um, with your parents and a sister. What was life like then for you? Yeah, I mean, I've... I always recognize that I was blessed. I more than love my fa- like family. I like my family. <laughs> I like hanging out with them. So um, I had uh, an incredibly uh, wonderful upbringing. Um, I went to a private Catholic school um, here in 
it's called Sacred Heart Academy, and I most of my time growing up was basically playing sports. Uh, I spent about from 3 p.m. to 10 p.m. in a gym every day, um, depending if it was volleyball season or basketball season um, or a little bit of mixture of the two. Um, So I was always in the gym and on my, you know, hour breaks before practices. That's when the homework happens. And and then I'd uh, fall asleep, and that was that. (laughs) Yeah. Sacred Heart, was that an all-girls school? It was an all-girls school, yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, do you think that that experience played into your drive? Because when I, you know, look at your list of accomplishments and your resume, it's really impressive. Um, Just to let the listeners understand, you were senior class president. uh, You were National Honor Society, high school scholar. um, You know, you wrote for the newspaper. As you mentioned, you were an athlete, volleyball, basketball. So, you know that's um a lot of a lot of activities and i wonder if an all girls academy um played a role in that that competitive nature yeah i guess i never really thought of it that way but i i do think there's something to feeling comfortable when you're in that time in your life where um <laughs> you know i think high school is a time where people struggle with different self esteem and and finding themselves and and all of these different things and the social pressure that comes with high school, I think having a supportive girl um, community does help you feel like you can try different things and you're not so scared to fail because, you know, in high school I feel like if a boy was laughing at you, that's one thing, but um, girls are a little bit different. And so I I don't feel like I was the only one doing all of those things in my high school. It was very much encouraged Mm -hmm. and, you know, People tried different sports just because the coach said, hey, you know, you're athletic at this sport. Maybe you should try this other thing. So people were just always um, trying things um, and weren't scared to be bad at it or just do it for fun. And I think that was a really important, you know, community piece to letting me feel like I could do whatever I needed or wanted to do or try. Yeah. I also read that um, your mom founded Big Brothers Big Sisters of Los Angeles at age 25. Yeah. So Um, tell me about your mom. (laughs) Yeah. Tell me about her. Yeah. I mean, my mom is the most um, service-oriented person. She truly believes, um, which is a good thing to believe, that the goal in life is to serve others and that your time should be spent um, bettering the lives for other people if you have the means to do so. And she's, you know, she also ran a National Charity League here in uh, La Cunada, uh after Big Brothers Big Sisters. But whenever I asked her about that, what was really interesting is she would just always say, you know, now that I've, you know, now that I started it, um, it's kind of weird looking back because I never would have thought that I could do that. But in the moment, I was just so naive to think that I could do it. So I did it. Uh, and that's kind of carried with me. Um, I mean, she's just, she's still, she just started a veterans community here to help uh, veterans uh, remission themselves into community work uh, and also teach leaders in the community that vets are an asset. So mm. she just <laughs> founded a new organization that's uh, awesome. here in Pasadena or a new program. And she's just constantly um, working and trying to um, make people's lives better in all different areas and give people opportunities to thrive. So, I mean, I look up to her. She's my best friend. 
Oh, that's <laughs> I awesome. I don't mind yeah. saying that. That's <laughs> awesome. And, you know, it, one of my questions is always, um, where did your courage, confidence, self-esteem come from to try something new as launching a company um, like you've done? Where does that come from? And I would say, you know, your mom, you probably have some of her DNA and just from watching her take risks. Yeah, right? I, I'm, I'd agree with that. I yeah. think um, between her and I mean, even my sister, just because she's always like, you you talk about mom so much. What about me? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Let's give your sister a shout out. <laughs> give my sister a shout out. Yeah. Um, she's She's also been so encouraging. She's the type of sister that I woke up for my first year of, um, you know, freshman classes in high school, and there were notes all over, um, like, our bathroom door saying, like, you've got this, like, I'm there for you, because she was a senior at the time. She sent me a a care package of um, uh, a set of letters that said, if you're sad, read this. If you're mad, read this. If you're unhappy or you're lost, read this. And it was a list of probably 14 letters that she just sent with me to college. Wow. Um, so I've so just, nice. I feel like I've had this incredible support system. And she's someone who took the risk to go backpacking and just drop everything um, for a year and a half, two years, even though her friends were getting promotions and some of them were getting married. Um, so she took a risk in a different way. And I just think um, my parents have been so encouraging of us to – um, you know, live the life that we want to live and not let anyone tell us otherwise. So I'm very love blessed that. to have them. I love that. Uh, listen, we're going to take our first break. If you're just tuning in, I'm talking to Dana Budson, co-founder and CEO of UBDI. Stay with us for Dawn's ear of Nutrisystem for your CEO watch. We'll be right back. Now, the women to watch. CEO watch. Hi, everyone. I'm Dawn Zier here with today's CEO watch. Several weeks back, I had the privilege of delivering the commencement address at the Culinary Institute of America. I built my message around a word that the soon-to-be graduates had heard a lot, measurement. Here's the Reader's Digest version of the key themes because they're relevant to all of us, no matter our age or situation. First, what gets measured gets done. It's a universal truth. If you measure your progress and stay accountable, you'll see results. If you wing it, go it alone and don't measure, you run a much greater risk of losing your way. Second, expect to be measured. No matter where you work, there will be performance metrics. Play your position well, while never forgetting that you're rarely flying solo. Know that winning teams are greater than the sum of their parts. Next, proactively solicit feedback. Don't be afraid to ask others for your measurements. And ask yourself the hard questions. Would I hire me? What do people say about me when I'm not in the room? The answers are essentially the summation of your reputation. And sometimes hand the measuring stick to someone else, a mentor, a trusted advisor. Why? Because it's hard to see the picture from within the frame. I assure you that as a CEO, I have a trusted inner circle of advisors who tell me things straight up. People who care enough to flag when I'm coming up short, assure me when I'm right, and remind me to celebrate the small victories. Also, be mindful of measuring your influence and impact, social responsibility, sustainability. These are more than just buzzwords. Do good. And lastly, know what not to measure. Don't measure others. Reserve judgment. Everyone is struggling with something. Make kindness a priority. Resist the urge to measure yourself by someone else's yardstick. Be the best version of yourself, not someone else's ideal of you. And remember that only you can measure your own happiness. What's your chicken soup for your soul? Make it your own recipe with measuring adjustments as needed. Create your authentic self. And remember that your own self-worth is what matters most. 
Thanks for tuning in. I'm Dawn Zier. See you next week. Since 1858, Mount St. Joseph Academy has been educating girls to be leaders, founders, and independent thinkers. Students are taught to be collaborative, courageous, compassionate, confident, and spiritual. In this student-centered environment, the young women are transformed by recognizing their own potential and are encouraged to use it to make a difference in the world. To learn more about Mount St. Joseph Academy, go to www.msjacad.org or call 215-233-3177. That's msjacad.org or 215-233-3177. Watch with Sue Rocco. Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. I'm speaking to Dana Budson, the co-founder and CEO of UBDI. Um, and, and I'll describe it, Dana, if I can, as a technology company working to help people participate in the economic value of their data. That might be um, simplistic uh, I description. I think that was a perfect. <laughs> Terrific. Good, good. I think that was perfect description, yeah. Um, listen, I want to talk to you about, I think this is so funny, you know, and again, this this speaks more to who you were. You still are a young girl, so, but um, you spent your summers at NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory um, while other girls, you know, maybe have were doing other things on their summer break. And uh, first thing, I wanted to ask you, how many girls were in that program and I wonder if you can talk about the research that uh, you did that was published there. Yeah, um, I actually, so it wasn't just one specific program. Um, I can't say the number of women, but I can say based on the cafeteria that there weren't as many as you would have liked. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> um, but it wasn't like one specific program. I think different um, departments uh, hired different people, and so it was kind of a little bit more segregated than that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the cafeteria tells me what I need to know about getting women more into tech. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yes. But it was still a good experience. Yeah. Um, but you did. You had some research published. Tell me about that. Yeah. So that was. I actually had a woman mentor, um, Shalane Exod, and she was and is. I'm convinced one of the smartest people <laughs> I've ever met. Uh, and what I was actually researching was using detector systems because I was in the um, same lab as the Mars 2020 rover as it was being developed, so that was pretty cool. Um, so we were working on using these detector systems that detect faint light, you know, millions of light years away, and trying to use that um, to detect uh, cancer signatures based on fluorescing amino acids uh, as a phantom sample for your body. And so I was, I created the experiment, then I got the budget to uh, uh, get the tools to actually run the experiment, and then the last part of my research was running it. And in that first summer, I didn't really find anything conclusive, and I was very bummed about that. Uh, So the next (laughs) summer, I came back, and by the end, we actually had some really cool results, which is that this is possible. You know, it's not like you solve something. But it was that this is possible and this ratio of a couple different amino acids um, could, in fact, um, fluoresce. These detector systems could detect them and at such a faint signature that if we use that in the body, we might be able to have early detection of cancer. Wow. So that's wow. what I was working on. You know, it's interesting. You, you know, did you have an interest at some point in, in maybe going into science or medicine and 
you know, and then here you are in, in the technology field. Uh, my family has a $100 bet. It's not much, but it's an $100 bet that I will end up being a doctor at some point. Oh, really? Uh, okay. So far, I'm yeah. winning it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the end date is on that. Yeah. But, well, it's uh, never too late. Yeah, but I, I always thought of that. I actually, in high school, considered I was thinking of going and I wanted to apply to the Naval Academy and, and play basketball. Um, and that was just something that I decided wasn't necessarily for me at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was I wanted to be a doctor in the Navy. Um, and, and I chose that that wasn't the path for me, but I've 100% thought of going into medicine, of, of being a doctor. I've through my own health history, I've spent plenty of times with doctors. Yes, <laughs> and I yes. respect and love them. So, yeah. well, I want to talk about that now. You know, again, this is this is such a big part of your story. Um, you went off to Lehigh University, and and you were majoring in biomechanical, uh, rather engineering, and uh, you suffered septic shock and cardiac arrest. What happened? Um, I mean, that's right. You said it right there. That is what happened, and there wasn't a rhyme or reason for it. Um, it was after my first uh, college exam period, the first uh, midterm or quarter term or whatever you want to call it, and it was a 24-hour period, so um, I effectively I, I was going to my roommate's house in New Jersey, and I started to feel ill. I had just ran five miles at the gym. I was feeling fine. I was feeling very energetic, actually. And as we drove to her house in New Jersey, I just started to feel very ill. And as all freshmen think, maybe I have the freshman plague. Uh, (laughs) And I'm coming down with the flu. I'm exhausted from studying all of those things. And so when I got to their house, you know, uh, I just started to shut down. And I kept thinking, I need to nap. I need to nap. I can barely hold myself, you know, up in this chair. But this was a new family, and I didn't want to be rude. (laughs) So I just said, give me some time to nap. And when I woke up, um, I kind of, it was very hard for me to push the covers off of me. Like, I had gotten weak to a point where I was like, these covers are heavy, and it was like a thin sheet. And uh, they checked my temperature. It was 106 or 105 point something. Wow. And I blamed it on the tea that I had drank, but <laughs> there there came a point where my mom called them and said, get her to a hospital. And then, you know, they ran tests. I started basically becoming delirious. And, you know, they, they thought maybe my, um, my spleen had ruptured and they took me into surgery and the rest was history. And I was in a medically induced coma for about a month um, with a couple different surgeries. And I basically heard the story after the fact. So <laughs> Yeah, you don't have a memory of this, am I right? I don't, no. Yeah. Um, which is quite quite sad, but um I definitely remember everything after it. So <laughs> So do you know what caused it? What where it came from? I I don't actually and and that's no fault of, you know, any of the doctors, I think, because it came on so fast, um, where I was completely fine and with a couple of hours I was dying and and ill um i think they just didn't have enough tests that they had ran ahead of time to know um to know what caused this and after the fact my immune system was so shot um and they were doing so many different um medications and things to just keep me alive that i think that it was pretty hard to tell um what brought this on wow 
Wow. You know, that's amazing. Again, a, you know, a healthy young woman like yourself and active and just doing all the right things. Um, I'm sure, you know, you mentioned your, uh, you had an uncle that saved some important notes and things while you were in the hospital. And uh, when we come back from this next break, I, I want to talk about how that prompted you to um, to start this company, really. It was from that experience. Yeah, absolutely. Stay with us for Dr. Marianne Ritchie for our Health Watch and Terry and Maggie for your Finance Watch. Now, the women to watch. Health Watch. For Health Watch, I'm Dr. Marianne Ritchie. Pediatric vaccines in the U.S. have been very successful against many contagious diseases, measles, diphtheria, polio. Each year, fewer than 500 children die from these preventable diseases. Well, adults need vaccines too. Up to 70,000 U.S. adults die each year from pneumonia and flu, which could be prevented. Vaccines help an individual, but also the entire community, by decreasing the number of people who get sick and spread infection. Flu vaccine for all adults Aim for October and be protected right from beginning of season. Pneumococcal vaccine fights a common pneumonia that can cause death, especially in the elderly or those with weak immune systems. For over age 65 or age 19 to 64 with chronic lung disease. Shingles vaccine, over age 50. Tdap for tetanus, diphtheria, whooping cough. Get a booster every 10 years, especially if you're around grandchildren. Tetanus can enter a wound and paralyze your muscles. Diphtheria causes heart and brain damage. Whooping cough, very serious, especially in infants. MMR, measles, mumps, rubella, now coming from other countries where people are not vaccinated. Measles, higher risk of death in adults. Mumps, much worse in adults, can see meningitis, painful swelling of testes. Rubella can cause birth defects if you're pregnant. Meningitis vaccine for all adolescents, college freshmen, military recruits, and some travelers. HPV vaccine for girls up to 26, boys up to 21. Protects against cancer of the genitals, anus, mouth, and sinuses. And hepatitis B and hepatitis A, both can be deadly. Visit the CDC Center for Disease Control website to read more. Search Adult Vaccine Assessment Tool. If you're pregnant or trying, talk to your doctor. Some vaccines can protect you and baby. Others can hurt baby. So divas, despite any concerns, vaccines are safe and effective and benefits far outweigh potential risks. Introducing Pathways Consulting Group, a company that will align your IT needs with your business goals. Pathways is a full-service ServiceNow partner. What does that mean? It's simple. Pathways will collaborate and design, develop, and deploy solutions for your company today that will define tomorrow. Pathways will provide world-class enterprise service management solutions. Pathways Consulting Group. They listen. They care. They execute. Go to PathwaysCG.com. That's PathwaysCG.com. If you believe that family, charity, or money is deeply important for the greater good, Fortis Wealth and you to a highly personalized financial discovery process to help you visualize your financial legacy. It's not for everyone, but if you're willing to invest the time and thought, they can offer advice and strategies to help you accomplish your dreams. Fortis Advisors is a wholly owned subsidiary of Fortis Wealth, an investment advisor registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission. Visit Fortis-Wealth.com today because tomorrow is waiting. The Women to Watch, Finance Watch. Hi, this is Maggie. And this is Terry. And we're from Fortis Wealth. 
What is Social Security? Social Security is the foundation of economic security for millions of Americans, retirees, disabled persons, and families of retired, disabled, or deceased workers. Terry, how do retirement benefits work? We pay a 7.65% tax on our earnings, 6.2% is the Social Security portion, and the rest is for Medicare. This tax money then flows back out as income to beneficiaries. How can I figure out what my benefits will be? Check your online My Social Security account at www.ssa.gov or call the toll-free number. No matter where you get the numbers, they are only estimates. Your actual benefit will vary based on the age you start to collect, fluctuations in your earnings, and other factors. What about spousal benefits? Well, even if you've never worked, you may be able to get spouse's retirement benefits if you are at least 62 and your spouse is receiving benefits. If you're divorced, you may still be able to get benefits on your ex-spouse's record. You are entitled to the spouse's benefit no matter what your age is if you are caring for their child who is also receiving benefits. What exactly is full retirement age? That's when you can claim 100% of the benefit calculated from your lifetime earnings. FRA is currently 66 for someone born in 1953 and gradually increasing to 67 for people born in 1960 and after. If you wait a few years, you can increase your eventual benefit, but it does not increase after age 70. The Social Security website is a great resource for all benefit-related topics, and it's pretty user-friendly. What else should we be aware of? Well, one myth is that the program is enough to sustain seniors by itself, but most common senior living expenses don't drop much in retirement, and others, like health care and leisure, will probably climb. Working folks today need to realize what limited buying power Social Security will ultimately give them. If you're still gainfully employed, try to build or boost your nest egg as it will play an important role in dictating what sort of lifestyle you'll be able to lead in retirement. This is Terry. And this is Maggie. Peace out. You're listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco. Sue Rocco on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. I'm having a really wonderful conversation with Dana Budson, co-founder and CEO of UBDI. And uh, just before the break, you talked about your, um, you know, your illness um, and your stay in the hospital, which was a total of about 70 days. Um, That's a really long time. And not having a memory of it um, was difficult for you. Uh, But tell the listeners how your uncle kind of collected, gathered information and, and presented that to you. Yeah, so it was actually a gift to me after, I think it was, you know, my fifth or sixth major surgery or hiccup after everything had happened, and he brought me a a paper package, oddly enough, um, or a booklet, if you will, of every tweet and Facebook post of both my family um, as well as friends who had posted on my timeline or who had tagged me, and it kind of gave me this wonderful timeline of my life and what had been happening in the time that I wasn't exactly coherent. And um, it it led me to this experience of, one, understanding that there is such value in these technology companies and there is such value in this information that can really do powerful uh, things with just, you know, being a timeline of your memories, really, and what's going on. Um, But it also led me to know that my data was so valuable, not just from the Twitter sense, but my own medical history and trying to get that information and wanting to share it with specific doctors or aggregate it with other people and having that not be possible um, really led me to realize there's a deep need for us as a community and as people to be able to have ownership over our data and share that with researchers and, you know, whoever we choose to share it with, and Mm -hmm. we just don't have that ownership yet. 
Right. So what you've done really is come up with, um, a, a, I'll say, a, a new system. Your your company is UBDI, but basically you believe that all of us should be uh, should own our own data. And these companies, all of these companies that are every day, daily collecting data and information on us, um, what we're doing, what we're liking, what we're saying, um, we should be a part of that um, that income. So tell us what what the company does, and and how UBDI data is better than the the kind of data collection that they're doing now without us participating. Yeah, absolutely. So one thing is, uh, UBD allows individuals to uh, aggregate different sources of data. This could be Fitbit, this could be Facebook data, Twitter data, YouTube data, um, from all these different applications that you're using and put it into one um, secure data vault with our partner, Digimi. And I won't necessarily go into all the technicalities of that, right. but we're a monetization layer um, on t- built on top of Digimi that allows you to choose what you share with what company and aggregate it with other members um, to get paid for your data. Um, and so what's, you know, for one, this is a consent-based system. <laughs> and we couldn't be more transparent. We have these really cool consent contracts, actually, that tell you what company and what they're looking for and what the purpose they're um, looking to use this for. Um, and every everything that they type in on the back end to request uh, certain data to be aggregated and anonymized with other individuals, you see on this form, and it'll even tell you if you're, um, you know, if you're a female and therefore they want to ask you about certain spending at Lululemon or something like that. Um, it'll tell you that uh, this is being shown to you because you're female, and you know I think building that transparency one um, into a, syst- a data system or a data economy is really. St- between control and transparency, that's really step one into fixing this system. And and how do you get the companies to to come on board? You know, change is always difficult. And as I was kind of doing my research, I was wondering what, what's been harder, getting consumers to pay attention to this and understand it, or convincing companies to come on board? Um, it's actually the former. It's getting people to care and... Um, you know, Cambridge Analytica did a, a, a good job of making people care and pay attention, mm-hmm. um, but it's getting people to take action uh, to, to control their data um, and do so in a system that might not just be as easy and as seamless as what you're used to with all of these apps. They make them incredibly easy for convenience because um, you're, they're getting so much value on the other side and there's, you know, a five-minute onboarding process, which is longer than people are used to, to link all these different data sources to then, you know, swipe a finger and send this data off. So it, so it is different for people, and it, and it requires a little bit more time than people are used to giving. Mm-hmm. Um, but companies, you know, data is actually a toxic asset for a lot of these companies. You can see it with every data breach. It is a horrible thing for your brand to be holding on to this data, and especially if you're not doing it in a secure way. So what we're doing um, is we say, you know, we don't sell data, we sell insights. And what that means is we're aggregating all this data and 
um, actually running app-to-app analytics with Digimi, our partners, so that we're only extracting bits and pieces of data for the specific study and for the specific purpose of which we've told you. And because of that, um, one, people are getting validated data um, from people's sources so that this isn't just data brokers that have been um, collecting things on you over time. Um, It's consented, so you're compliant. It's better data because it's validated and straight from the source, a user. Um, It's also not a toxic asset because we, UBDI, reduce their risk and liability um, by allowing this to be in our system and protecting it and extracting it and doing fun, you know, data security and privacy pieces that we do. So I think brands are incredibly receptive to this and they're just they just want the users because all these other companies or data broker and collection companies have the users. So it's really about um, users deciding that uh, they want to take part in this model and they're willing to go through not so many pain points but a little bit more time to understand how this works and uh, make sure they're they're comfortable and understand everything, yeah. So how many uh, – you know what? It's time for another break. When we come back, I want to talk about how many users you currently have and how many companies are, are signing up for this. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Stay with us for Mary Manzo for your Tech Watch. We'll be right back. Who is Holly Dowling? Holly is a dynamic keynote speaker and inspirational thought leader. You see what we have the ability to do and the power we have. You hold the power for good. Each and every one of us can do something. Holly has inspired millions around the world, including over 500,000 executives, and her show is listened to in 87 countries. Now we're going to spend 25 minutes on your areas of opportunity. Listen to our internationally acclaimed podcast, A Celebration of You, Holly Dowling, empowering those who can change the world. HollyDowling.com. Now, the women to watch. Tech Watch. Hi, I'm Mary Manso of Pathways Consulting Group. When I was in grammar school, we had career day, and in high school, we had college fairs. Both were meant to be informative and intended to get me thinking about my future. But yet my knowledge of what types of careers were available to me was still very limited. There were the basic careers, nurse, teachers, secretary, social worker, and at one point I thought maybe park ranger. I didn't know how many options I actually had. Now fast forward, have things really changed? Do teenagers have access to the knowledge needed to make choices early on before attending and investing in college? When I went to business school, I took a class on word processing. Yes, I'm that old. At the time, we were taught how word processing can streamline repeatable documents. When I landed my first job, I was hired to create a process in a law firm that would enable all repeatable documents to become nothing more than fill in the blank. This would allow the fast-growing law firm to keep up with the demand and backlog that they had. I had no idea that what I was doing was considered business process design, but I sure had a knack for it, and I really liked it. I felt like I was transforming the business to run more efficiently, and I was making a great contribution. There's a misconception amongst young individuals that in order to be considered a technologist, you have to be a coder or developer. But technology goes far beyond hands on the keyboard. At Pathways, we implement the technology called ServiceNow. Yes, we have developers, but we also have business analysts, program coordinators, quality testers, and they too are considered technology experts. And these are only a few of the roles that make up our technology company. 
So when considering and discussing technology as a career path with young girls, it's important that we have girls who code, but equally important are all the other roles and careers that make up the world of technology. For more information on this topic, please email me at mary at pathwayscg.com. Now more of Women to Watch with Sue Rocco. Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. With me this evening is Dana Budson, the co-founder and CEO of UBDI, a, a company that Dana um, founded and, and is now running. And it was all prompted by her long stay in the hospital with an illness uh, where she realized her lack of access to her own personal data was an issue. And um, she took the bold move to to try to change that. Um, and, and it's a big, big industry. Um you know, one of the things as an entrepreneur, Dana, that is incredibly difficult and probably causes the most stress is raising capital. So talk a little bit about the difficulties of that. And you just launched in December, so it has not been that long. And kind of take us through what you've been doing these past few months. Yeah, so uh, a big part of what um, I've been doing besides, you know, building this product and um, making sure that uh, we're getting everything done and executing in a timely manner is raising capital. Um, that has been a primary focus, and it's taken a little longer than we expected. We actually just closed our um, 800K pre-seed round um, yesterday. Okay. <laughs> so this is good timing. Yeah, congratulations. Um, but it was a <laughs> journey to get there, and that was – but I think so far that's been the hardest part of – um, starting a company is getting people to bet on you, especially when mm. they see that you're up against huge companies. Um, yes. And they're not likely to say, oh, it's hard to see a future where, you know, you'd actually own, you know, the data that you generate on Facebook or on Google or any of these things. And so people are less likely to pl- place bets. Yeah. Um, it's really more, you know, it's it's more than just a product, it really is an idea, right? It's a whole different mindset and idea that you're trying to bring to the masses. Absolutely. And and it's one thing, too, is I think so many people in venture capital um, made money on the old model. And it's hard to convince people who are very much part of the status quo that this is it's time for a change and that you know, regardless, I was once told actually that we are the friendster to Facebook, that they think I, you know, that we might have figured it out like 85%, but they're fearful that once we do get to 85%, that someone might come on after. And, you know, on the one hand, you're betting on a team to be nimble enough to adjust and, and take that other 15% and and run with it even when you have competitors. But on top of that, if, you know, if someone needs to be the friendster to allow freedom and democracy and privacy with data um, and security and, and let companies get insights without exploiting people. Have you had meetings with Facebook, Google, um, you know, these these big social media platforms? No, <laughs> not yet. Uh, not yet. And I I mean, I think there's they're not going to. You can see in just their lobbying efforts that they are they're not trying to do the right thing. And in my personal opinion, mm-hmm. they're not trying to do the right thing. And I just think this is this is more about users 
um, you have the right, because of GDPR in Europe, because of changing regulations in California, um, we're starting to see a bipartisan effort for data rights. Mm -hmm. And I think that um, users empowering themselves um, to flip the script, if you will, on Facebook is how this is going to get done. It's not going to be done in some negotiation or um, trying to convince people this is a better model. They've chosen their path. Their business models rely on it, mm-hmm. and, um, and, and they're not changing anytime soon. <laughs> so how much effort are you spending in your day-to-day? Or maybe I should ask you this. Tell me a typical day for you in this early stage of the company. What, what percentage of time are you spending in, in each area? Yeah, so I think I spend about probably 40%, maybe 50% um, with our development team um, working on the data flow, working on security, working on product and design. Um, I think when you're in early stages, you have to be in the weeds of your product and making sure that it's something that you would use. Mm -hmm. Um, That's the best tell that you're creating something worthwhile. Right. And... Then I spend, uh, up to this point, I think I've, I've 100% spent probably 50%, if not 60%, on fundraising. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that that has somewhat concluded for a short period of time, um, I can shift my efforts to being on more sales calls, doing reach out, um, doing business development, and, and talking to brands and different companies, and um, as well as focusing some efforts now on user acquisition since our app's ready and our portal's ready, and now it's time to really launch and get out there and get the feedback of people and, and grow from there. Mm. And do media. And do media, yeah. <laughs> get the come, word on, come on cool talk shows. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, I, wanted, I wanted to mention the TED Talk that you gave because I thought it was so interesting. You know, at the very, very beginning of it, you, you very nonchalantly talk about your hospital stay. And then you said, you know, what you're doing is not about overcoming hardship, but rather, um, uh, what did I write down here? Viewing part of your life that you had no memory of through a digital lens. Um, But what I want to say is I think what you have overcome is incredibly inspiring. And you know, I don't want to say why not speak about that. You're busy. You're an entrepreneur. You're running a company. You're starting a company. Um, but at the same time, I guess I just wanted to say your own personal story behind all of this is incredibly inspiring for a woman at such a young age to go through that, kind of just move past that fear and start a business. And uh, I want, I guess, people to know that 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 part of you so that it will, you know, encourage other women um, that no matter what they've been through, um, they still can follow their passion and their gifts. Yeah. I, I mean, I think if anything, it, I hate to use a phrase like life is short. <laughs> I feel well, it's a great, it's true, that, but it, right? but it's it is, true. it forces, you know, um, comfort comes out of the familiar. Right. And I just think that whole experience no one could prepare for it. It was completely non-familiar. <laughs> Every day was a new challenge or something, some sort of mental gymnastics <laughs> that yes. I was doing. Right. And, right. I, and I think that that ultimately is the reason that I feel so confident in doing this is because I, I think that there's a mental maturity that comes with startup. There's an affinity for risk and the unknown that I think going through something like this really taught me. So if anything, if 
you think that, you know, you have to overcome something um, to then create a business, like that's exactly what you need to do. And and you're more prepared for it because of whatever you've gone through. That's right. So tell tell the listeners, uh, what is it that we can do today, you know, as consumers and users to to make a difference what's what should and could we be doing um, well for for one um i'd love if everyone signed up for our beta list i'm going to open it up to about 400 more people okay. uh, next week <laughs> okay. and i'd love for everyone to try it out um make sure that there's no kinks and and start seeing how it works and give feedback that's always incredible um is that at ubdi.com it's ubdi.com. Okay, yes. good. And then secondly, I think there are a bunch of articles out there. I often post them on my Twitter, but I, this is not a shout out for follows. I, it's fine. <laughs> but I think if you look, there are some articles that teach you about protecting your privacy online, um, downloading browser plugins, um, checking out new search engines, and checking out um, different things that you can do to start protecting your online um, identity, mm-hmm. which is always, you know, helpful and good for you. <laughs> right. And I think if you just find one of those lists of like 10 things that you can do to protect your privacy today, um, go through them. Take take 20 minutes. It will not take that long time. Go through them. Um, see what it's like to um, – and I, and I feel like people will feel really good about that after. When my mom, she downloaded Brave, the browser plugin, and she was just like, I feel – uh, she was like, I feel so empowered. Like, I feel like yes. I just took, reclaimed my, my life from Google. And I was like, yes, yes mom. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Well, listen, we'll, we'll direct people to um, your website and, and try to help you. And, and I thank you so much, Dana, for taking the time to come on the show and share your story. It's, it's really incredible. Well, thank you for having me. This has been great. That's it, everyone, for another week of Women to Watch here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Thanks so much for listening, and thank you to our sponsors and our contributors for helping me to bring you the real story behind her title. Have a great week, everyone. This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management.